The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Regan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by all of my awesome co-hosts, Nate Heininger, Laura Nash, and Shane Kelly. And, and Regan, the way you said, respect your time, really <laughs> made me feel now. like I was ready for this show. Game show host We energy. are coming in hot this week, guys. <laughs> Hype for Carto. On, yeah, on like, the worst <laughs> game that we've done uh, in months. The most calming game I've played in a while. Carto uh, Hype! Com- <laughs> yeah, we're coming in hot. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Carto, guys. Carto is a game from the developer Sunhead Games, and it's available on pretty much all of the platforms. Uh, it's on Steam, Switch, the PlayStation 4, I believe, uh, Xbox, uh, the ones, that one. Uh, and it's on all of the PC game stores like Humble and Epic, and it's also on Game Pass, uh, which is nice if you own it, if you, if you subscribe to that service. Uh, so it's literally on all of the things. This is an incredible feel-good game, and uh, I think we can all just right up front say that this was a really fun experience. I, whose idea was it to play this? Who, who got this in front of us? You know, I'm sure it was suggested by one of our listeners, and now I'm not remembering who, and so I will search the Discord and try to chime in if I find out who it was that suggested we play this, because I'm glad they did. I, I had a lovely time with it, and I honestly was not planning on playing this prior to... Uh, so the, the reason that I kind of nudged this a little on the queue was that I recently subscribed to Xbox Game Pass. And so it's a fairly <laughs> new game. Uh, and it so I, I forget. Let me see. When did it come out? It I came think out it, on October, October 27th, 2020. Um, back. Yeah. No, I, I leave it in. Uh, we're keeping it rolling. Uh, but I uh, yeah, I, I I got Game Pass recently. And this was one of the games that was on my like short game games list that happened to be part of Game Pass. And so I booted it up for a couple minutes and it was surprisingly my thing. Like it, we'll, we'll get into this in a little bit more detail, but. I will say that like on the on the face of it, it seemed a little like at first I was like, oh, this seems a little generic. It looks like, you know, a cute ret- uh, not retro. What's the word I'm looking for? It's like, like a cute indie 2D game with some light puzzle elements. And that's exactly what it was. Um, I just didn't know how much I would kind of vibe with it, which is hard to really um explain in great detail i guess we'll work on that yeah we're gonna try a lot of why it's hard to explain comes down to the fact that this game for me is all about vibes this is a game that um i was literally playing chilled out um you know in the evenings cuddled up in bed uh with a blanket snuggled around me and this is a game that is best played under those circumstances it's 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 got this perfect storybook aesthetic. Uh, it is interesting, fun map puzzles. And it is just story-wise a, a game that's all about friendly people doing nice things and helping each other on adventures. Yeah, which, being kind. Yeah.
you're having trouble picturing what makes this game so chill, so Shane said map puzzle game. So it's it is a game where you have kind of this magical map where you can take individual tiles of the map and move them to other parts where they fit. Uh, and then the landscape changes of the island you're on. So if you've played the board game Carcassonne, it's very much like Carcassonne where you can take the tiles and you need to match forest to forest or river to river, but you can take the piece and you can rotate it move it around the map, plop it down, and suddenly you're on the other side of the world or you've uncovered a new puzzle. So that's the mechanic for most of the game. The game is a lot more than that because the puzzles are about kind of helping people and they're little charming quests. And there's a lot of uh, thought and consideration and gentleness in this game, yeah. which is really nice. I've... Uh... I, I yeah I really really enjoyed this game and I had the same feeling as Reagan where I was like you know I I was expecting it to be fun but I didn't expect to click with it but uh, as much as I did but this is actually um, I have like a really hard time playing games for a really long session uh, part of why this show and this whole premise works for me is that like we play short games and can play them over a bunch of short short sessions and and this game is actually one of the longest sessions i've i've had in a long time was sitting down and playing this game because i was just so it was so calming and i and i don't know maybe it's the, the events of the past uh month or so that have really made me want something as calming and as uh, relaxing as this so it like it's kind of the perfect vibe for right now uh and also carcassonne is one of my favorite board games of all time is actually really the first sort of like Euro game or advanced board game that I ever played. It was my introduction to that world. And it is also a game that I've played like literally hundreds of times. So just that feeling of like switching tiles around and matching them and connecting them and making something bigger. It was really, really satisfying. That said, if you're a big fan of Carcassonne, like there is none of the strategy or like competitive elements of Carcassonne are carried over to this, just literally the tile placing mechanic, but it is like a direct copy of that. Um, so if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, I love Carcassonne. I'm going to love this game. You probably will love this game, but not because of its connection to Carcassonne. Yeah. Though that tile, sw- that tile switching is fun. They had so much variety to the, to the way that the tile placing was, was worked into different puzzles that it yeah. would not have shocked me if they had had randomly one level where you were getting some sort of point system based I, on your connections I of roads and might, cities. I thought but, they might do that. Like, but me, no. I was waiting for a meeple placement section, right? <laughs> and there, and there, there's even little icons on the map that kind of reminded me of some of the expansions of uh, Carcassonne. There's like a goat imprint on a bunch of them later in the game. And yeah. it's like, oh, that reminds me of the pig expansion. Uh, but no, there was, there was literally no, like none of the strategic elements of Carcassonne ever entered this game. But the tile placement is, is the exact same thing. And it, But it's satisfying. So I confess I didn't finish the game, but I would be shocked if it changed from the marvelously low stakes of the beginning of it because it's this is not a game where people are dying kidnapped where you have to save somebody's you know heart from being like it, 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 the the stakes couldn't be lower it's like hi can you get a plant because i like plants and i'm so here for that <laughs> so why don't we talk about start off by kind of telling the story of the game like what you're doing, because that'll help drive through the rest of the conversation. Uh, you play as Carto, which 
I, when this game started, I thought was a direct reference to Carcassonne. I was like, oh, Carcassonne. cartographers? I know. And then, and then, like, seriously, it's like 45% into the game, someone says cartographer. And I'm like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's cartographer. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Not. Uh, uh, but anyway, so you, uh, the game opens up. Carto, uh, you've been separated from your granny. And your goal really is to get reconnected with your granny. And you've you've fallen into this really uh, lush and beautiful world. And your your goal is to, to find your granny. But the way you accomplish that is exploring this world and essentially encountering a ton of different unique little biomes, little civilizations, basically, that need help with something. And the things that they need help with you're right, Laura. They're never like really dramatic. They, there are like later in the game, there are some things that seem a little bit more dramatic, but everything is it's all very calm and all very chill. And by helping these people who are all immediately welcoming and the most gracious NPCs of any game I've ever played. Wow, everyone you came to our island. Everyone literally is like, what are you doing in my house? Just kidding. Yeah, like everyone, <laughs> everyone is so happy to see you. Yeah, you're constantly trespassing and everyone's like, wow, did you sneak in? Boy, nice to meet you. I'm, you know, and uh, uh, so- a visitor here. Let me explain to you in two sentences everything that I'm about as a person. <laughs> like- yeah, uh, and, and so you're you're going around helping these people accomplish whatever their problem is, and that is serving a grander problem of finding your granny, who is piloting an airship. Uh, which is awesome. <laughs> She's an awesome granny. Uh, and, you know, that's really it. You're going from like a, a desert area to, a, you know, to a grassland area to like a glacier area, all these different biomes. And the, the puzzles will be, they are interesting and, but never really challenging, which helps with this game too. Like, they, they, there's, there's not like a hint system, but there's always an NPC around that will like give you the overarching goal of the puzzle. Yeah. There's always something in the area that will like remind you of exactly what you need to do, and they constantly wall you into the world, the the part of the like world or the map where your puzzle is going to be solved. So it, it's incredibly. Um, like it, it doesn't hold your hand, but it's just really thoughtful about it because the game is definitely doesn't want you to get stuck on a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found them to be really, really satisfying puzzles, though, because the game is so smooth and everything just works. It, it was really fun when you solve a puzzle and you never really get stuck on them. It's kind of weird. Uh, it's kind of weird the way that they that they present the puzzles, because. I mean, you're only ever really solving one puzzle at a time, which I think is really good here, because there's no place in the UI of the game where it says, like, here is the puzzle that you're so Here is your goal. Here's what you're doing. It's just like you said, Nate, you have to just walk around and talk to people. So you have two two things you're doing. About half the time that I was moving the map around, I was doing it because I was trying to solve some part of the puzzle. And then about half the time... 
it was because sometimes that's the fastest way to get around mm, uh, yeah. in order to like, oh, well, I need to go talk to this guy. What did the guy with the bear tell me to do again? Let me go back and talk to the guy with the bear again. Click, click, click. Step one little block over. And there yep. you are. It's little tesseracts. Yeah. The idea of this being like an island where you get one puzzle at a time is really ties into the genre of this is a puzzle game. So it's not an open world puzzle game where you get a bunch of different little starts of a puzzle and then they kind of you have eight open tabs at once and then you go get the you know the fetch quest and then suddenly you can kind of solve all eight of the missions. It's not that kind of um building upon itself kind of puzzle this is you get one at a time you do it you move on and i really like that as a tie-in to the vibe of this game because it feels very safe it feels it's like you're walking on an invisible bridge but you know your foot's always going to land somewhere mm-hmm. as opposed to games that kind of want you to you know you will be jumping all over the map sure but you know where you're going you know what you have to do and if there's any question you can get it it's not it, it makes it sound like a game for kindergartners when I say it like that. But I do think the puzzle is how do you execute it, not what do I do next. Yeah. And there are so many puzzle games masquerading as puzzle games that aren't actually puzzle games. They're really just trying to figure out what the hell to do next. That's a really good point. And it is really graceful. Like Nate mentioned this earlier, but he kind of phrased it as like the the uh, the game kind of walling you into where you need to be to solve a puzzle. And that sounds much more sort of railroady than this actually feels in practice. Like it, it has a really gentle hand guiding you towards the next yeah. thing you need to do. And to Laura's point, like almost everything has like one solution and you just need to do that one thing and you've solved it. You don't need to do like, it's not like a five step puzzle. Even in that one thing, you just do one thing at a time. And the trick is figuring out like, okay, I know I need to arrange these tiles in a certain way. I just need to figure out how to arrange the tiles in the right way. And there'll be like a big bling and there'll be a noise and you'll know right away i did it and then the map will update and you'll know where you're supposed to go to next it might be a little challenging at times to figure out the one thing that you're supposed to do this game isn't always easy and it actually ramps up pretty nicely um but it's always you can feel very comfortable knowing that i don't need to this isn't this game isn't trying to trick me. There's not some grand scheme here. There's not going to be like a, a multi-layered puzzle that I'm going to like fail three fourths of the way through. I just need to figure out like, what's the trick? What's the one thing it's trying to get me to do. If I can do that one thing, I know I'll solve it. And there'll be another puzzle, you know, 30 seconds later that will probably be similar, but different that will still test me and make me think in a different way. And I just do that one thing and just keep marching forward. The puzzles were fun, but you're also really just wanting to see, like, what's going on here? What are all these different characters, and how nice is everyone going to be to me? Yeah, often these are pure puzzle game. O- often this kind of game is just a pure mechanic game like Baba's You, where yeah. like, things that are this clearly defined often have no narrative. Um, this and Monsters Expedition 
both have narratives and which I just started and am really into. We should talk about that maybe later. Yeah, uh, but uh, I, this, maybe is another episode. Yeah, but totally. Saying like it's it's crazy to me that we got two games like that this year when there hasn't been one in a while. That's kind of true. I, I, I think we're we're kind of glossing over the how good I think the story of this game is. Like it's it's really simple. Um, but like what this game does really, really well is giving you these like very simple characters, uh, that have something that they care about and they give you just enough for you to care about it too. So your main character is like the, uh, you know, the, your main character is just looking for her granny, right? Just looking to kind of like move through the world and, and reunite with the, with her grandmother. Uh, but like the sort of second main character, so that's the main character, Carto. But the second main character, I think it's Shannon. I maybe get Shannon. Shannon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is I, kind of with you through most of the game. And when you first meet her, she is part of a kind of an island tribe where they have a tradition where when when a child turns fifteen, they have to leave home. And find a new island to live on, and they can and never, never come back. Never come back. Never there's some, see their family there's some, again. There, if this game wasn't so delightful, there are some weird things going on in these cultures that yeah. you're like, what? And and but she doesn't like this, and so she, you know, initially she's like resisting leaving because she loves her family and her island. And then when she does leave, you go with her as a friend to kind of support her because she has to leave. And uh, yeah, and it's her journey is like. By the way, Reagan, I just have to interject now. They say at some later point that this tradition is because um, when because the world is so dangerous, and that they that when the kids don't come back, um, they they the it's to, to protect the parents' feelings. Uh, when their kids go off and die. Oh my god! <laughs> to, it's because it's better not to know if they die in the sea. Oh my god! Well, it also, if they, it, and if they came back, you'd know which ones died. I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, god. but it also implies that there's like some, you know, omnipotent being that is also restricting them from going back, and the ones that die are the ones that like actually tried to come home and they just got killed by like the god of the sea or whatever but Shannon know. does go home I'm sorry. Well, she we're, we're spoiling home. we're spoiling yeah uh, yeah don't yeah I I, I, don't I I don't think it's a huge spoiler but we won't go no, any no, further I'm not a big spoiler what is it? it spoiler for narrative trajectory because yeah. when she was like I would like to come home I'm like oh the game will end by her coming home probably it's uh, it, it, I found her story to be like it is sort of the side story but in a way it's the main story because like Carto's story is so simple right she just wants to reunite with her grandmother that she like fell out of by the way what is the deal with her grandmother like a person who sort of like hovers above the world in an airship with a magical map that can rearrange things and that's what i mean she's sort of the the god of this there's a lot going on in this world there's the mother tree uh which is a whole other thing like there's a lot going on in this game that it makes me think this is one of those games that like who the the writers must have had like a, a lore bible you know that like <laughs> like one of the like i feel like one of the people who wrote it probably wrote like 
a novel about this world, and then this game is just scratching the surface. I, it definitely feels like they want. I was to trying to figure out who localized it. I couldn't find info on that part of it. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. something. This is developed by a Taiwanese studio, which I didn't yeah, find out yeah. until we were just sitting down to record. Um, but yeah, I, I assume that like they must have the the writing is very natural. I assume they must have yeah. you know I don't I don't know anything about their process here, but like it's, the absolute funniest thing about the writing in this game is the way that they give Carto these lines that are like not that are just emoji. Like it's they actually have really excellently animated, really expressive little sprites that are all done in this beautiful watercolor style. So this is great. But every now and then they decide they really want Carto to have a speech bubble appear above her head. And it's things like with the winky face emoji with the like minus sign nose. Yeah. Every time it's the little text <laughs> yeah. keyboard emoticons. Yeah, Cardo doesn't speak, which actually works really well because then the g- everyone, <laughs> every character in the game just like assumes that Cardo is also being incredibly positive and happy to help. So they're just like, all right, let's keep going. And Cardo will just like sometimes almost like mischievously winky face or mischievously <laughs> smile. Uh, it's, it's pretty funny. I, at first I thought it was like, the first time you do it, you're like, oh, that's kind of cute. But they actually do it so much where all that she responds with is a smile or a winky face that it kind of circles back on itself and it becomes really effective and really funny every time it happens. I was I was impressed that they were it's, able to convey yeah. so much with just a single emoticon. Well, what's really funny about it is that like those actually <laughs> Yeah. Those sprites are so emotive. Like there's you'll have one time where, you know, she says in her speech bubble a winky face and a, and in one she's smiling and in the other she's laughing and you know you can tell the difference because the the sprites themselves are actually very uh very nicely animated yeah there's a lot of um there's a lot of uh, cardo does a lot of speaking with her hands so uh-huh. they'll do entire <laughs> entire things where she'll act out something with her hands a character will say something like a full response and then uh, Cardo will just respond with like a winky, winky face. face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it and it works. I was it's another thing that like, you know, I was I was not expecting this game to work as well as it does, but it just yeah, everything I, I just, everything really is so tonally Yeah, everything is everything works. Everything is so tonally connected. Yeah. Uh, it's really, you know, really nice. Maybe now's a good time for us to talk about the art style too, since you were yeah. mentioning the sprites, Shane. And uh, it's like it's a beautiful uh, it, it's it's very flat. It has a sort of a feeling of like uh, paper cut dioramas a little bit because of the way that the the like two D sprites work. Um, but it also had I thought a little bit of a Murray Mary Blair kind of vibe or a little yeah, bit it's of got a lot of it, it's painterly. Yeah. Um, they mm-hmm. feel like daubs of color. It's uh, someone said there's a watercolor. like texture treatment to things like Mm -hmm. it is a watercolor transparency to the layers of color but it's not that kind of blurry edge watercolor it's got the it's as if someone watercolored on you know a piece of sketch paper it's that kind of quality of color Mm -hmm. Uh, it's very bright Um, there's a lot of of but I the reason I said it's painterly is because you can really see like it's not done in pencil it's not done in pen it's not it's done with like big dollops of brushes and Mm. and you can definitely see that in there there's a lot of movement i think that's what i really gravitated to it's that when you pass a tree 
the tree shifts mm-hmm, and when mm-hmm. you pass anything it rustles like the grass moves oh yeah it, it, it and sometimes it you. sometimes like a ton i, I don't want to again get into spoilers but like one of my favorite moments in this game is that there's a point where you kind of are in the in a sort of a living forest and once you i guess like commune with the mother tree all of the all of the trees in the forest move to get out of your way as you walk and it was just yeah. the most beautiful animation. It's I loved really it. Really cool. The trees and there's there is some flat design on top of it. Like the trees are are a rel- yeah, are like they're, they're a little less. Trees. They're a little less painterly, but I think it actually like it works really well. It makes some of the things stick out a little bit more than uh, than other things. It works really really well. And also in between, uh, the game is broken into chapters, and in between chapters, as you accomplish um, whatever helping hand you needed to give that that uh that chapter it'll end with uh still like paintings like the whole screen becomes like a triumphant whatever it is you're trying to do it'll be like just a still painting of all of the characters or all whatever that final moment was and and where like you know maybe other games would do a, a cut scene using like the world or the sprites or something like this this just puts up like a still image of all the characters like hugging or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks even more painted because it's a still image and yeah. require animation. And it's really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as style. Like Mary Blair is a good comparison. It's not as stylized. It, it definitely feels modern kind yeah. of like old man's journey. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's got, it's got that, but it, as for like the way that the color is layered and the way that the um, kind of the roundness of all the characters mm-hmm. and yeah. sort of the, like, you know, it's, it's this sort of um, uh, lots of beautiful colors, but there's no like outlines, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a very mm-hmm. simple illustration style that I found very, very appealing. Obviously, if you look this game up, you'll, you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. It looks great. Another comp I just thought of too, not exactly for the art style, but sort of the, what the game world looks like that you're going around in because you're in the, the, the map is all squares. And when you go to the edge of a map, if you've played either the, the new one or uh, the original toe jam and Earl games, you know, where you're just like, (laughs) where you're just out there, like in a floating space, you know, Mm -hmm. where if you go to the edge, you can go right up to the edge. Now in toe jam and Earl, you fall off and you'll go down to the world below. But um, it's like this this floating flat island that everything on it is very rich. But after that, it's just like empty space all around it. Uh, it it's, it's a really cool effect. I think it looks really nice. Yeah. I'll also say that all of the trees and bushes are very Scandinavian mid-century modern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I would love to have any of those trees or leaves or bushes as like prints for napkins in my house. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. You could see it being on a like a backsplash at IKEA. hundred you know? <laughs> percent. Yeah, for in sure. a good way. Like that's a huge compliment. <laughs> yeah, it's the game is beautiful. It it really really works. Um, similarly, the sound design and the music is as pleasant and um, thoughtful as you would want it to be. It, at first, when I started, I was like, oh, this is kind of a good game to like maybe have some other music playing or something like that. But once I really got into it, I was like, no, I want to hear the the music that this game is playing on each map. It's just really, really chill. I've never played animal crossing, but I kept thinking this is probably the same sort of music that something like animal crossing has. It's really calming and really, really nice. 
Uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was pretty. I found chill. one recognized name in the in the writing, by the way, because we're talking about the writing. Like, yeah, I was trying to dig into it a little bit and Google around. Uh, one of the guys who was a writer on this was also a script editor and contributing writer on Celeste, and a editor and writer for a large volume of jokes. It says here on Guacamelee Two. Oh, <laughs> oh, that makes a lot of sense because this game is so pun heavy but like really 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 like childlike puns if that makes sense and like a lot of the jokes are just puns and not any one individual pun is very funny but the the amalgamation yeah the expanse of puns that they accomplish yeah puns uh, are not meant uh, to make you laugh they are meant to crush your spirit until you laugh (laughs) collectively Yeah, like there are parts there early on in the game, you go to an abandoned camp and every single item you inspect is like it's a pun. It's just a pun about that item. And then the rest of the game, every almost every character is going to do some sort of pun. Everything is just really, really silly. Uh, And I laughed at this game multiple times, but almost never for like a just perfect joke more just like the whole everything that led up to that i didn't uh, i didn't like take a bunch of screenshots of the jokes or puns in this but like i did take one of this joke this pun which isn't even that good of a pun but i wanted to share it because i think it's representative and i laughed enough to uh uh to take a screenshot there's a there's a fishing game sort of mini game section in this game and there's several fish types (laughs) that you have to collect there is uh, and each one of them is a pun, and I uh, I really appreciated that one of the fish you have to catch is called Carp DM, and it says a fish that looks ready to seize its prey. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, that that is that is representative. The whole almost everything is like that. It's it's great. So that's it was it's 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 good bad jokes like that. I enjoyed that very much. It, I, I had a good chuckle at a lot of bits of this game. So I really, I like this game so much more than I expected to. Um, And it's like, it's not exactly because it's like earth shattering or anything. Like everything we just talked about, like I've seen, we've played prettier games. We've played funnier games. We've played games with more mind bending puzzles. But as a whole, it's just really nice. It's It's a game about nice people in a slightly off world that is, you know, kind of interesting and it's just a it's just a nice play and it's well, about six people hours know long. reagan people know that it's nice can we drill down a little bit on some of the puzzles can we talk about oh yeah some yeah of the sure yeah designs I, I, I i'm happy to do so i kind of thought we'd yeah go um, for it so like the we we have talked about the mechanic in general but what i thought was really interesting about the game is it took it a long time, probably three plus hours before I ran into a repeated puzzle mechanic. Like there is a huge variety. When I realized this was basically, you know, the map from Carcassonne turned into a puzzle. Uh, I thought I had a pretty good idea. Like what is the, what is the game going to really be? And I was actually a little, um, a little wary of it for that reason. What I thought I was going to wind up playing was a bunch of like block sliding Sokoban type puzzles. And you really don't get that until a little bit near the end. Uh, It is all over the map in terms of what you're doing. A lot of it is just like, 
picking up on hints in the environment that give you some idea about like some arrangement of um of of like area to do or like just unlocking new areas to give you new little cards to put onto the map to to lay out new map tiles like there's a ton of variety to it um did anybody else like really think the game was like pretty inventive in that way well one thing that i wasn't expecting and and i think this is you know again why i said at the beginning like if you're expecting to actually utilize like skills from carcassonne and this like don't like the the only skill from carcassonne is looking at these tiles and recognizing what can match with what that's very important and obviously like it's not hard but if if you've played carcassonne that'll help a little bit yeah so one of the but one of the puzzles that is one of the first that you do that i i think is is kind of representative of how this game is not at all like carcassonne though in its in its puzzle mechanics is that uh earl like it's one of the first ones so you know I, i i don't think this is hopefully this isn't too much of a spoiler for for you guys but um you're, you're helping locate these sheep and the first few you're they're just there they're out in the field and you just go find them and you bring them back and it's fine but then the last one they say says, i can't find this sheep it's probably in its favorite spot hiding in the middle of all the white flowers and you've seen on the tiles so far out in the map there are patches of white flowers and when you look at the map from the top down view you can see that there are, you know, if you have a, the square, you'll see that one side of four, of four individual squares has like a little circle of white flowers on it. And when I first started messing around with the puzzle, I was thinking, okay, so there, the sheep is in the middle of those white flowers. So I need to organize these four tiles in a way that all the white flowers are touching each other or all close enough to like, you know, the sheep's going to appear in there. But what you actually have to do is arrange where there's actually an empty space in the middle. So you have like your top square has the white flowers pointing down. Your bottom there's a gap. Your bot then you have a bottom square with the white. Yeah, flowers that got me a up. little bit. You because yeah, you borders. you're not trying to make the white flowers you have into a into a thing that you'll find the sheep then in the middle of. You're trying to arrange the white flowers with nothing in the middle. And yeah. then, and then the it generates the it. Then it generates a new tile for you. That new tile appears in the middle, and that tile had the sheep. And that was when I was like, you know, kind of unlocks like, oh, like you're gonna sometimes solving the puzzle actually creates new tiles for you. So you don't always have all of the pieces to the puzzle in front of you. The puzzle is arranging the existing things in a way that leaves like a gap, and they do this in a lot of different ways later on there's a thing where it's like oh go to the mouth of the river to find this thing and you're looking at your tiles and you're like i don't have a tile with a river mouth however oh i do see there's a tile over here that looks like the beginning of a river there's a tile over here that looks like maybe it's the middle of a section of a river when you combine all those it then like cling you know and in the in the river mouth tile then appears and now you have that tile for other future puzzles as well so a lot of it is actually creating tiles which i thought was really really cool and they do a lot a lot more interesting and complex things than those those are really really early ones and that even felt fair because in the previous very first tutorial level you uh, a man is looking for his house and there is no house on the map 
But if you put the tiles in the order that he has, you know, suggested, his house will manifest. So yeah. there is kind of this magical element of if you do what the people say, what you need will appear. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't feel unfair that there's a quote unquote missing tile because you're just like, oh, it's just another thing that appears if I fit the parameters. And you can see that they keep going and go. Yeah. Yeah. I, say, there's I, a similar I, one where I remember they had a one tile that's like a fork in the road and there's a sign on the east and the west fork. And the e- one says, uh, curvy straight roads road. east to the mountain. And the one on the other side says, like, straight road west to the shore. And, like, if you put the curvy and the straight road in the place that they're supposed to be, like, it expands the map out. And what's kind of neat is, like, once you have built this and you've got these additional tiles, you're going to wind up like shuffling things around and rearranging them again and again. Like you never have to like, you're not building anything most of the time with the map tiles. You're not like fitting things into place. You're shuffling things around constantly as a way to um, solve puzzles. Or like I was saying before, just get from point A to point B easily. That's a really good point. Something that could have really sunk this for me is if it was all about like, we're going to have an increasingly complicated map and you have to find where exactly where every individual piece on the map goes to make it fit. That's the kind of puzzle, basically jigsaw puzzle style, that I don't really enjoy. This never goes into jigsaw puzzle territory. It's always about like, well, maybe there's 15 tiles that you have to choose from, but what are the three you need to put together right now? And they can be detached from everything else. You just need to put them together in the way that you need for the moment. And it's always in flux. And that was a huge like win in terms of like design here, never really making you feel like you have to spend a long time just doing a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, and even later in the game when it's at its most complicated where they'll be like, there's four or five different terrain types. So, you know, terrain type A can only connect to terrain type A and B to B and C to C it, so on and so forth. And you're like, all right, I know I need to get all the way to terrain type E and I have to find the right order of things to like progress through each of these terrain types to get to the final one. Even that can be done in these like just isolated little areas where you like once you're once you're done with tile one of that progression you could remove it and bring it all the way over to somewhere else or sometimes tile one from that progression will be used like later as a bridge to continue into the puzzle and it it all it's very forgiving in that way and doesn't require you to piece together really elaborate things because yeah that would be really 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 frustrating uh and i'll say you know i i did finish the game and i while there were some challenging puzzles there was never any one that i felt like that was fair or uh, never did I feel that it was unfair or annoying. There were some that were like a little harder to accomplish, but once I got it, I was like, ah, yeah, I should have, you know, I, I, I should have gotten that faster or, oh, that's what they meant. But never like, oh, that's stupid. How was I supposed to know that? Or how was I supposed to figure that out? It never felt that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think okay. that's a hallmark to a game like this. Yeah, I, I was, yeah, very impressed with it's like, sort of subtle and yet really like well-considered puzzle design throughout and i i really really enjoyed this game i recommend people check it out it is like we mentioned at the top of the show it's available on nintendo switch which i think is probably where most people are going to be checking it out but it's also on 
all of the consoles. It's on Xbox Game Pass. It's on PC and I believe also Mac on all of the uh, all of the platforms for purchasing games there. So I would very much recommend people check it out. And I, uh, I mean, I just, I, I just had such a fun, chill experience with this one. Uh, it took about six hours for me. Did, what did you guys find? Well, my Switch says 97 hours, um, but I think wow, that's you had a really hard it. time, huh? Man, that, yeah, you know, you gotta arrange, when you, the one, you had to arrange it in a circle, you know, where it's like, put them in a circle. Mm-hmm. That one took me 92 hours, and then the rest <laughs> of the game took, no, I don't know. Yeah, I think somewhere, I, I, I played this game over three days, you know, in, in a three sittings each, you know, a handful of hours each. Uh, and yeah, it was great. Also, side note, I played this, the last part of it with Molly. It's, it was a really nice game to play with someone else, uh, cause it's just so delightful. And then even our three and a half year old was like really loved looking at all the colors and all Aww. the, you know, delightful sprites and everything. Mm-hmm. So fun for the whole family. Yeah. My son liked watching this game as well. Uh, he would just stare at it and yell, where is she going? Yeah. (laughs) Where is she going? I will. Yeah. It was really fun for um, our daughter to watch until, you know, I'm like stuck on like an arrangement puzzle. And she's like, go go back to the bear. And I'm like, I I will. It doesn't help. Patreon release. uh, Nate and Shane's kids review our games. <laughs> there we go. Done. Bonus episodes, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one last si- uh, little side note, Shane, at the beginning of the episode, you were asking like, who suggested we play this? Right. And I did. Yeah. I did some searching. I searched very carefully through our Twitter and our email and our discord. And as far as I can tell, it was you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that call came from inside the house. Yeah. What a mystery. (laughs) You've solved my puzzle. (laughs) You've tumbled me. It's all sliding into place. Well, uh, it's funny. I'm, All right, <laughs> I'm glad that we. Uh, I'm glad that we uh, uh, took we the time. We tied to that get mystery this. up at the end of the episode. Yeah, and I'm glad we took the time like to play this. Like a good puzzle game. Uh, do we have what time a, for a what's what making a us happy this week? Let's do it. Let's do. Um, I can go first if you guys want, because uh, I have a really quick, simple one, and that's it. Kind of ties into the game. Uh, I played this game. Um, so I, 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 you know, talked on I think the last episode or maybe the one before about uh, sort of updating my gaming PC. And one of the big exciting things about that for me uh, was that I've been doing a lot of in-home streaming uh, with uh, with Moonlight, which is an app for streaming your you know PC games to various devices, as well as other things like the um, similar thing from Steam. And I've done that enough lately that I finally decided to plunk down $100, which I think is way overpriced, but I still want to recommend this thing because I've been having so much fun with it on something called the Backbone Controller. Uh, I was made aware of this because Patrick Klepek at Vice did an article about it when he was talking about streaming games from his uh, PlayStation 5, I think. Um, but I want to kind of mention it. The Backbone Controller is a iPhone controller add-on thing. It's one of these sort of expandy controllers that you fit onto the sides of your phone. Um, and I have tried other ones of those and they've all been really kind of bad. Um, and I even tried the Razer Kishi, which is the one that most people recommend, but I didn't find it very comfortable ergonomically because it's very short as a controller goes. Like it's like vertically, it doesn't have much, doesn't have much of that like controller butt at the bottom that you really grip onto with your wrists. You know, the part of the you gotta controller. have that butt. You gotta have that. Yeah. Butt. Well, this is it. This is an iPhone controller that has the butt. 
Um, and it, it's, uh, it's pretty lightweight. So when you first pick it up, you think, well, this doesn't feel that great, but then you put your phone in it. It's like, oh, actually with the combined weight of the phone plus this is about the same as any controller I'm used to. It feels really natural. The buttons are all really nice. The D pad is at least acceptable. It's got all of the buttons that you need. And, um, unlike like it has a, it has an app that goes along with it that I was expecting to kind of ignore because it does just work as like a standard iOS controller. You, you, you open any app that supports controllers on an iPhone or iPad or whatever. And it doesn't work with iPads it's an iPhone controller, but you get the idea. It, it, um, any app that supports controllers works with this because it's using the totally standard controller interface, but they do have their own app and I expected to kind of ignore it, but it's actually really, really nice. It gives you this horizontal interface that you can add any game on your phone to it. Uh, it has its own little database of all of the uh, controller supporting games on iOS. But basically you open a game and then you hit this button on the controller that is like the the home button kind of. And it s- switches you immediately to their app that gives you a nice launcher interface. And it does some other really nice stuff too. It add, It has a little interface for doing things like uh, taking screenshots or video that it feels like the sort of same sort of features that you have on on consoles where you can do little clips of your gameplay and save them, but you're on your phone, so you can immediately share them directly from there. Uh, and it lets you, you know, switch between games directly from the controller without having to flip your phone back to vertical to, you know, browse through your apps or whatever. Um, it just really makes the experience really seamless and really felt like a little game console, uh, it, it really reminded me of using something like a switch light. Uh, so if the, uh, if the idea of using your phone in a more game console, like fashion, especially with the, uh, availability of streaming options, like, you know, X cloud and stadia, and even streaming from devices in your home, like the PlayStation, uh, streaming or streaming from a gaming PC, if that's appealing to you, um, this is the best option there is out there now. Uh, it's it's definitely the best one. I've I've tried um, I've tried some third party ones. I've tried the Razer one. Uh, I've I've been unhappy with every single one of these I've tried except this one. But this one is really good, so uh, I would recommend it, and it's making me happy. They had a ludicrously good PR launch. I don't understand how they got placed in literally every magazine uh we talked about it a lot at work like they got written up and wired and we were like how is backbone <laughs> like it, it's insane like so i'm glad to know that uh it actually lived up to the hype yeah yeah they got placement everywhere yeah i mean i i don't know how they their marketing must be pretty decent but like their their hardware is it's not like it's not like astonishing it just feels a lot like switch parts in a no i'm just happy because that was all pre-release yeah and so we were like uh not out yet <laughs> yeah i don't know when this thing came out or whatever but like I, I don't know i just plunked down for it on a whim um and honestly it's a hundred dollars that is too much like this this would be a must buy at like 50 60 bucks um it it, it feels a little bit like a ripoff at a hundred dollars but it really did open some experiences for me that i was really wanting to have and i played Carto almost exclusively on it. Um, and it was a really, really nice experience. So I, 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 I love this thing. It's great. Nate, what's making you happy this week? Yeah. So Molly and I started watching a show recently that I have been really hooked on. It's called search party. Uh, it is a dark comedy. Uh, we've been watching it on HBO now, which I have apparently had for a very long time through my AT&T 
subscription, but just found out like a couple weeks ago. So we've been kind of <laughs> digging in to what is on there. Uh, and it, the, the main star of the show is Aaliyah Shawkat, um, most known as maybe from Arrested Development. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is about a group of 20 somethings who are pretty self absorbed. They get themselves into a, a mystery situation where they're trying to solve a missing uh, person's case and it gets ridiculous. I really don't want to spoil anything, uh, but I'll say the show goes in a direction that I was very, very much not expecting and really, really appreciate the degree that they're appreciate what they're trying to accomplish with it. And uh, I've been really, really enjoying it. We're into the second season. Um, Check it out. They're short episodes and it doesn't take too long to get it really going. I'd say like watch at least the first two episodes to kind of understand like the vibe and the degree that which the show is is handling itself, but uh, it gets better and better and more ridiculous and more like stressful. So I I, I highly recommend it. Um, I guess I'll leave it at that. I know this is is kind of mysterious, but you kind of just have to watch it to see what I'm going for or what what the show is going for. But I'll say it's very very funny and very tense and very dark, and I've been really really enjoying it. So search party, check it out. That sounds great. Uh, Jane, what's making you happy this week? Well, uh, you guys probably know that I'm a, a big fan of B movies uh, and have been for a long time. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say magic, the gathering. I was going to say, Shane, I did not know you were a big fan of <laughs> unlike, and unlike my love of magic. B movie. <laughs> category I mean, the B movie is fine. Um, <laughs> I saw that in theaters. It, my my love of like actual B movies, a lot of it goes back to like um, late nights with Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Uh, the fact that uh, Troma Pictures would have like a a stand selling DVDs at the punk shows I used to go to, stuff like that. I just always liked weird over the top B pictures and um, maybe my most anticipated movie of 2021. Here we are maybe 20 days, 23 days into 2021 uh, has come out and it is called psycho Gorman. Uh, psycho Gorman is a kind of a clarify gore man or like gourmand, like someone who eats food. Uh, you, I don't think you do see him eat uh, oh, so it's in this film, but not gore man. Film. Okay, thank you. It's, it's you, <laughs> one you, word. You do not see him eat food in this. You do see him consume his enemies um, in a horrifying way. So, Psycho Gorman is the story of two kids in the eighties uh, who are just really dumb and annoying. Uh, who find a magic gem that allows them to unearth a horrifying monster who's been buried for thousands of years um, and control him and make him be their friend. And uh, it's about love and friendship. It's like these, um, it's like these, 
this 80s trend that includes movies like E.T., where like the kids befriend some supernatural or otherworldly entity, uh, but then combine that with the over-the-top practical effects uh, of action and horror of like completely diametrically opposed other 80s movies. It's got it's got that kind of vibe going on. And it's just uh it's just stupid fun. I really enjoyed it. Um yeah, I watched it, the trailer it, and the the way that I would sum it up is like it's like ET but instead of meeting a cute friendly alien, they meet an enemy from the Power Rangers. Yes. And in fact, all the all the enemies and there's a lot of really over the top crazy practical effects in this. All of them would be like right at home in something like Tohu Toho Toho. I think you're thinking saying it wrong. Tokusatsu. Toho is the company. Tokusai? Tokusatsu is the company. Tokat Tok Tok. Yeah, whatever. What he said. <laughs> um, you know, things like Ultraman. Like it would be very much at home in that kind of kind of genre. Um, there's a lot, a lot of really excellent rubber suits in this, um, because all of now that this alien has been unearthed, all of his friends and foes, uh, are coming to earth, uh, to, to duke it out. And it's, it's really over the top funny. Uh, it's not the best movie I've ever seen. (laughs) But it what? but it was unabashedly nearly the worst, and I really loved it for it. <laughs> okay, I'm into it. I'm very into it. I want. I've got it uh, yeah. on my list right now, ready to watch. I love. I love a good B movie or bad movie. Uh, if you haven't seen Birdemic, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh my god, uh, Birdemic! <laughs> I have seen it. Uh, Laura, no. Laura, what is making you happy this week? Well, I'm going to go back to the cozy vibes of the <laughs> earlier conversation and say that uh, I have been watching season two of Hilda. Uh, oh, I love oh, Hilda. Hilda is so Hilda nice. Is so good. Hilda is a really charming animated TV show that is set in kind of this, you know, Nordic perfect town where there's mythology and real life going on. But uh, basically, Hilda is the worst kid but with a great heart. <laughs> She's such a bad, naughty kid, though. She is always going out and having adventures with trolls and elves and uh, dragons, but they don't call them dragons on the show. I'll let you guys um, find out you know, what it's called because it's kind of a reveal. Um, and, you know, Krakens in season two and witches. It's wonderful. It's so light and charming. And I think what's specifically making me so happy is the character of David, her cowardly friend who Mm. for some reason has no whites of his eyes (laughs) and always has bugs on him. You've got a bug on you. (laughs) You've got a bug on you, David. (laughs) And then they take the bug off. Um, David has just some absolutely great moments in season two. And um, it's the kind of charming show where, uh, my husband and I are both watching Under Blankets, and whenever David said something that was particularly funny, we'd both kind of look at each other and make a happy face and we'd look back <laughs> in the screen. <laughs> because oh, we were like, did you see the charming line too? And then we look back. Um, the first time I watched season one, we had had a flight delay due to snow at LaGuardia Airport, and we had had the most hellish day, and we had been traveling and failing to get home. We ended up having to get a hotel at LaGuardia and we just, we watched 
we were stuck for an entire day and we watched Paddington 2 and then all of season one of Hilda. <laughs> Both That's a great combo. outside and we yeah. ordered takeout from Queens. And I was just like, this is That sounds great. Correct. Yeah. Um, I've only so seen cold. season one. I can't wait to watch season two. Now I I'd oh, forgotten that it had so come charming. out. So I'm it so just excited. came out, yeah. It came out in uh over Christmas break. And I'll say that there's one um I really want to spoil a line that I'll tell you guys after, but um, Frida gets an excellent glow up in season two <laughs> where she gets more to do and yay for Frida because Frida has kind of a, Frida has some troubles in season one. So it's great to have her have a real like super powery thing to do in season two. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there is uh, among one of the most positive depictions of, uh, of, librarians in pop culture uh, that we've had in years uh, <laughs> and, and it uh, keeps going yeah really they really uh the the first season really has this wonderful um like feeling of like existing in a really beautiful big world right where like a- everything in hilda's world seems both like cozy and normal, but also adventurous and magical at the same time. And um, the second season gives you so much more of that. Um, like she's she's finally learning, you know, a little bit about life in Trollberg, and the world becomes a little bit more real, but also a little bit more dangerous in, in ways that I think are really neat. And I cannot wait for season three. Yeah, it, there's apparently a 70 minute movie coming. Ooh, um, oh really? Which I'm very. Oh, are about. they doing the troll, the troll adventure thing? The, the, okay, so these are based on a comic book series, and I have Tricky. not read, I've not read the comics, but uh, I know that they, just from even the stuff on the covers, like season one is some based on the comics, but a lot of original stuff, and then season two has a little bit more that it seemed like that was from the comics. So it seems like they have a big, they have like one big comic that they haven't touched. So maybe they're doing that with the movie. I hope so. I, I just That's think cool. it's so warm and it's definitely something that if you need that in your life, watch Hilda, you will not regret it. Yeah. It's lovely. I, I thank you for reminding me that I need to watch that because I'm, I'm looking forward to it now. It's a bomb. Oh, that reminds me, uh, Molly said Carto is kind of like the Ted Lasso of video games. And, and I Hilda think Hilda is the Ted Lasso Hilda, of Hilda, children's TV. Yeah. <laughs> It'll just make you feel better. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find all of the ways to contact and support us, like a contact form, or you can email us. You'll find a link to our Patreon, which is also patreon.com slash the short game uh and of course we have a discord where we chat about the games we're playing about upcoming stuff about things like hilda uh and uh you can join our discord by becoming a patron every one of our patrons at even just a dollar a month uh which come on a dollar you got that right uh you can join our discord and uh and we uh we would be very very glad to have you um, you can also find us on Twitter. That's at underscore short game. Or of course you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. And Nate, where can people find you? 
on Twitter at NateSTL. And thanks once again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.